The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. So glad you're tuning in again this week. I'm Elise Cortez, your host, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. I'm happy to have you with me here this week again and have been just really enjoying my conversations with my guests each week and learning how they're meaningfully connected to their work and just what it is that they love about the work that they do. So it's my hope that you leave each week having learned something new and fascinating about the world of work and perhaps even inspired to take the next step in your own journey toward experiencing your work and career in the way you really want to. So this week, I really wanted to focus and celebrate entrepreneurs and innovation and had an awful lot of fun in the social media place talking with others about that. I got a lot of really fun interaction from people about this topic today. So my guest this week is Stefan Wynn, who is a lifelong innovator and with a very impressive array of business organization and management experience. He's dedicated to anticipating and igniting the next idea, story, product, business model, or innovation framework. He is also the co-founder of Next Ignite, Inc., and joins us today from Los Angeles, California. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Elise. Thank you for having me. I would love it first if you would cue us up here. There's so many things about you in terms of all the things that you're involved in. So perhaps just first, if you would, just simply introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the world of work that you're in today professionally. Uh, Yes. Uh, I started out as a um, software engineer, but then I uh, started a couple companies uh, years back and uh, another company recently. Uh, so my whole my whole life I've been focused on uh, starting companies as well as coming up with new products and strategies, uh, and especially uh, in in the world of uh, innovation and uh, um, business models. Uh, currently, I'm focused on validating a couple of key strategies for technical innovation. One has to do with how we develop or come up with ideas, and the other has to do with how we can solve problems in the quickest, most efficient, and funnest way possible. <laughs> another concept in that... In that uh, um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Stefan. Uh, another concept in that uh, um, area is the, um, the ability to refine and practice uh, what is called customer development, which is a key... Um, area in uh, the lean startup movement, which is responsible for a lot of successful startups lately. Well, there's a couple of things I want to comment on what you just said there. First, just the casual way with which you said, I started a couple companies, cannot go on without notice. Okay, Stefan, <laughs> most of us don't just start a couple companies. So I want to acknowledge that and really celebrate that. I think that's a, a wonderful thing about your your background and what you've done with your life so far. The second thing I certainly want to highlight is the word fun. 
Obviously, work should be fun, but I don't know that all of us maybe associate the idea of fun with the kind of hard work that seems to go into creating something that didn't exist before. So I, I do want to hear you say a bit more about this idea of fun, and how does, how does that register for you? What is fun for you? I think in the most general way I can define it, it's, it's anything that you want to do, and then after you've finished doing it, realizing that you had so much enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. As someone, as someone always, uh, uh, you know, as someone has said before, uh, it's hard to, to know that you're happy while you're happy. You can only know it uh, perhaps afterward when you look back. Mm-hmm. So a little reflection goes a long way. I like that. That makes sense to me. Okay. Okay. Well, since you have done a few, you started a couple companies along the way, I do want to hear a bit more about Next Ignite, Inc. Uh, what does this company actually do in terms of products or services? Uh, Next Ignite's primary mission is to educate and aid the um, mindset and culture for innovation. Uh, I think we hear a lot about innovation, but most of us are not familiar with how to acquire the foundation for it. Um, and that includes the thinking, the attitude, the tools that we need to innovate. Uh, much of the advice that we've been given is rather outdated. I think there's a lot of fresh new research and evidence that highlights the uh, importance of play, collaboration, and the belief in effort. There's a school of thought that um, the most successful innovators are the ones that uh, improve after each effort. They care more about the effort and that they learn from it rather than uh, caring about being right the very first time. Hmm. You know, I like what you're saying here, Stefan. I must say I must be behind in my reading because I, I haven't been focused on the effort. The play and the fun part I've known about for quite some time, but the focus on the effort is new to me. Can you say more about that? Why, where is that coming from and maybe what new insights have come from that idea? Um, yeah, there's, there's a wonderful book called Little Bets um, that was on the uh, uh, Amazon bestseller list for quite a while. And, um, you know, in there, they've done a lot of research to, to show that there are two kinds of um, thinkers uh, or, or think two kinds of entrepreneurs. Uh, the first one are the ones that start out with an idea and refine it over and over uh, with uh, every iteration and make sure that every iteration he or she learns from the effort, from, from the testing. And then there's another kind that starts out with a perfect vision and basically just try to prove that that, that vision is right on. Is totally correct. Mm. And more often than not, the second way of doing it, to just trying to prove that you're correct based upon your original vision, um, is rather fraught with, with, with risk because in this day and age, it's very hard to be perfectly correct the first time um, we start something. And when you start with something and you want to make sure to prove that it's correct, and it's, when it's not, uh, you kind of... Sh- you kind of get gun-shy, and then the next time you try to be even more careful. So what that does is it creates this negative feedback loop where you stop trying new things and you stop um, um, exploring. Whereas in the former case, you believe that the effort is the most important thing and you learn from each effort. Uh, Every time that you fail, you actually learn a lot more, and every time you fail, you actually become a better entrepreneur. So over time, your base of knowledge and your base of experience uh, continues to grow, and eventually you arrive at, at a solution that most people have already 
uh, given up on. Mm. There's so much thought involved in that, Stefan. One of the things that immediately came to mind when you were talking about this idea of the importance of failing, of course, is that unfortunately, from a financial perspective, people that are invested in our businesses don't like us to fail, right? So there's a bit of a negative incentive there. And yet it is one of the things, as you're saying, that does help innovation. Can you speak to that dichotomy a bit? Absolutely. And I I think that's an excellent question because um, we tend to get conflicting advice. One is, you know, to fail uh, a lot, fail often, to learn from it. The other is, you know, how can you afford to keep failing? Uh, the one approach to that is uh, basically what, what uh, that book I referred to um, uh, uh, put forth, and that's little bets. What we do is we, we try to make little bets uh, and, and basically test the idea in the most uh, minimal or uh, most effective and efficient way possible. So, for example, if you were to write a book, uh, probably the first thing you want to do is, is to uh, create a synopsis and, and ask people and, and potential publisher what they think of the idea. And then perhaps the second thing that you do is to create a table of content and see what the response is. And then from there, you would expand on the book. So what that does is it allows us to have these uh, very valuable feedback loops that uh, help us improve not only the concept, but our understanding of it as we go along. And so little bets are very important because what they do is that they allow us to experiment without costing us a lot of resources. And those very experiments, uh, when done right, uh, will get us to the solution as quickly as possible and at the same time ensure that we have um, uh, taken away or, or um, uh, work away all the risk they're involved. Mm. You know, that is very helpful of somebody who is actually currently writing a book. We have gone through that process, just as you mentioned so far, but having you explain it the way that you did just really helps at least me get my head around it and why it's important and some of that iteration, the feedback that comes along with it. That makes so much sense. It does minimize the risk. You're right. And again, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, Stefan, is that you do have a gift for being able to explain these kinds of ideas and concepts in a way that most of us can understand pretty well, even me. So (laughs) um, thank you for that. I I appreciate that. And and along those lines, I I do want to actually ask back on your, your business, Next Night Inc., I wasn't sure if there was any history that kind of came to you deciding to found that. I wasn't sure if there was something that you were specifically trying to address or solve in the marketplace or something that you're working on in terms of a project that you're trying to overlay with that. What is the history or the story of you starting that business? Um, yes. I, I, in, 2000, um, in the year 2000, I started a um, company called Exignite. I actually co-founded it with a, a friend of mine from Oracle. Um, and that company's specializes in uh, financial data cloud. So basically, a, um, a data cloud that uh, involves financial information. It's actually um, uh, one of the um, uh, market leaders in, in that area. Um, Exignite supplies all the financial data for the NASDAQ and, and YSE, and does mm-hmm. about 23 to 24 billion uh, transactions a month. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so so that company kind of opened my eyes about the the creative process, um, but as often the case, after a few years of being involved with a new idea or starting a, a new idea, uh, I yearned to develop something new uh, to address another area of concern or, or, or another need. Um, so 
I started noticing a pattern of how I sense problems uh, mm-hmm. in the marketplace and now how I come up with solutions to them and, and test the solutions. Um, so I wanted to put a framework around that and see if I can make it repeatable. Because I've always seen um, friends that um, created something great, but then they can't replicate it because um, uh, maybe they got lucky and they didn't realize it or um, that they, they stumbled upon a method, but they didn't uh, document it so they can't repeat it. So I want to create this framework to be able to repeat the, the, the process of innovation as well as um, sharing it with other people. Mm. You know, the very first thing that I think about when you describe it like that, Stefan, is it's just so smart. I just so appreciate the thought and the fact that you're you're governed the way that you are to to focus on these kinds of frame sets, these kinds of problems. And that is one of the things, as you know, I'm, I love the idea of what makes people who they are and what unique talents they bring to the marketplace. And obviously, you have made a life of being an innovator. And I think, based on what I've learned so far, is you couldn't be otherwise. Do you think that's true? I would agree with that mostly. Uh, I think actually a lot of us are lifelong innovators, uh, mm. probably more than we think, because I think started as uh, as children, starting as children, we we explore a lot. We play a lot uh, on the playground with our friends. We explore a lot. We that's why kids love uh, Lego blocks. Um, that's why kids love to take things apart and put them together. Uh, but somewhere along the line, we we are taught to be logical and to put things together in a sequence. So we stop doing these multilinear things and and stop um, uh, being explorers and stop trying new things because maybe uh, we we acquire this mindset of not wanting to fail. Uh, But new research has shown that, uh, especially with these days and age where you can test things out, where you can 3D print things and and uh, write anything on the, on the computer screen and just erase it uh, in a second, that, you know, being, being exploratory is actually uh, um, something that we can leverage. Hmm. Well, maybe that relates to this notion here. One of the things that I thought might make a little bit of sense is, and maybe we I could have done this earlier, but I would love to know about what your definition of innovation actually is. Um, the one thing that I saw online, for example, which seemed to make sense to me, is it simply the process of translating an idea or invention into a good, a good or a service that creates value for which customers will actually pay. Um, now, I think based on what you just said there, your definition is going to be a little bit different. But I'd love to hear how do you describe innovation? Yeah, I think my my definition would be slightly different, um, but I mostly agree with that definition. It's actually a, a good definition. What I would add, though, is the process by which we come up with the idea or the invention in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many ideas that we come up with uh, won't, stand, won't stand a test of uh, scrutiny, uh, but the part that is crucial is, is the, having the mindset to come up with ideas in the first place, uh, not be afraid to come up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Because that opens us up, that frees us up to start exploring. Um, and then afterwards, when we, when we generate a bunch of ideas, then we start thinking, uh, then we start thinking about translating them into good or service that, uh, a good or service that would create value for which the customer will pay. Um, the ability to continually generate this idea to be kind of like an idea machine or to be creative in whatever you do, that's very key, and, and it requires a mindset that has uh, 
very little prejudgment uh, and, and very uh, um, little critique of oneself. Hmm. Maybe that's why I haven't done very much innovation stuff on. (laughs) When I listen to you talk, I feel like I'm so much more practically grounded, and I feel like the stuff that you're describing does allow for that playful, exploratory mindset. And maybe what I'm doing to myself is just maybe I'm imposing too many barriers on myself in order, and therefore I'm not enjoying the benefit of maybe being able to innovate as much as I could. What do you think about that? Is that a possibility, or am I way off here? Uh, no, I think I think you you have a good point there. Actually, um, it's interesting uh, if we think about it. Being playful is actually very practical, because being playful allows us to be engaged in the activity and allow us to get enjoyment. So that allows us to do it for the long run. And actually, um, this is perfectly illustrated in the startup community. Um, a lot of startups um, do things that they're interested in and they're passionate about, and so to them. Working 16 hours a day to create a, a new product or a new company is nothing. It's, it's just fun. They eat and sleep all day. And when you're, when you have that kind of mindset and you have that kind of work ethic, it's very hard for anyone, anyone else to compete with you. Uh, so being playful in general is, is, uh, is very practical. And, and it allows us to, to, to build, you know, the fun on top of the fun and, and make us even more exploratory. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm learning a ton from you about this, Stefan. I, I love this dialogue. was just what I'm hoping for. And again, the way you're describing it is just, it seems to be effortless for you. And, and that does make me wonder. I mean, you have a, a very unique uh, education, maybe not unique, I won't say unique, but I would say powerful, that I want to quickly cover before we go on break here. I know that you've got a degree in electrical engineering, and then you've got an MBA with a focus in finance, information economics, and entrepreneurship. Seems incredibly powerful to me. Can you just briefly say, maybe in about 45 seconds or so, how did you choose those careers? What guided that decision-making process? Uh, to be perfectly honest, I chose electrical engineering because it's uh, the most practical way to uh, gain employment because it, it, it was a, uh, um, the best-paying job with the highest demand at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to go through the MCAT route, uh, getting ready for medical school and going through an internship and residency like a lot of my pre-med buddies did. So I went there and... and, and um, I got lucky because my first job was with one of the most iconic companies the world has known, and that's Oracle. Uh, I started very early with Oracle, and I, I just joined Oracle because I fell in love with the weather in the Bay Area. Um, Stefan, sorry. sorry to interrupt you. Just a second. I want to I get more about your early career, but I need to interrupt really quick for our very first break. After the break, we'll cue that up. I wanted to hear about your early career. But it is time for our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Stefan Wynn, whose passion is innovation. He is the co-founder of Next Ignite, Inc., and he's the author of a digital business model book titled Dot Wealth. Soon to be followed by The Innovator's Mindset, coming in spring of 2016. After the break, I want to learn more about how you began your career and built it to where you are today. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Stefan Wen, who is a lifelong innovator and co-founder of Nexty Night, Inc., and he's joining us from Los Angeles, California. My name is Elise Cortez, your host. Before we, we left for the first break, Stefan was just starting to tell us about his educational experience, how he chose his major, and I, I do want him to sketch his early career to see just how it was he got his start. And you had said, Stefan, before the break that you know you chose electrical engineering because it really had a good prospect for a, a well-grounded, high-demand high career, which I just think is so lovely and honest and beautiful. But then what about the MBA? How did you choose that? And then if you would, sketch your career afterwards. Uh, yes. So... So after my, um, my, my first uh, job at Oracle as an engineer, uh, I saw that a lot of my friends um, just started companies left and right, um, became CEO, CFO, CTOs of various companies. And that was uh, during the days of uh, Netscape and Yahoo and Google. So I got bit by the same entrepreneurial bug and um, left Oracle and started my first company, which is a consulting company. Uh, which I later um, sold, uh, you know, but not for a, a profit or anything, just to just to be part of a bigger company. And then we started in 2000 a um, company called Exignite that is supposed to provide financial data. Um, and now my my partner is still running it. Uh, it's raised about 17 million dollars in funding and has a has um, uh, approximately uh, 10 million in revenue uh, per year. Uh, so I would consider that a a a, um, a good foray into my second business. Uh, but then during the time that we started that company, I realized that I didn't know much about finance. So I decided to um, get my MBA at Columbia so that I can learn more about finance and option strategies and, and the various uh, financial terms. Uh, fortunately for me, when I was at Columbia, I uh, studied under a gentleman by the name of uh, Joseph Stiglitz, who... Uh, won the Nobel Prize in 2002 for uh, an area called information economics. And lo and behold, I thought, I've 
I've worked with information for all my career, and I didn't realize that it's a it's an economic good just like everything else. So I became very fascinated with that and started doing more research and more reading and, and learning from uh, uh, Mr. Stiglitz uh, uh, about information economics. And that, that was when I started working on the framework for innovation because uh, information is actually something that has created uh, an unbelievable amount of opportunities for uh, this new generation. And I've always been involved in that area, especially starting out with Oracle, uh, which is a pioneering company in, in database technology and information management. So that makes me wonder, as you were talking about that whole process here, I have to ask, um, when you were talking about that first company, Xignite, it made me wonder, is that how you got the idea, or is there somehow the relationship between when you actually wrote the digital business book um, model book called Dot Wealth? Is that when that came to be? Yes, that actually it? came to be um, during my, my stay at uh, Columbia uh, and looking into information economics. I realized that there are actually different kinds of values, and, but unfortunately, most of us only see the financial value. There's actually intellectual values, information value that's uh, based on information. Uh, so, for example, if I give you, if I, if I can tell you that, Elise, I can give you the winning lottery numbers for tomorrow, how much is that worth to you? <laughs> Chances are that that number is probably worth, that, if that piece of information is probably worth as much as um, the prize uh, for tomorrow, uh, unless there are multiple tickets with that same number, right? Right. So information has an incredible amount of value. Um, another area of value is, of course, social value, where the contacts that we have can provide us uh, new jobs, can provide us new ideas, uh, can provide us uh, all kinds of uh, things, including, you know, just even emotional support. Hmm. Again, you make that seem so easy the way you describe that, but there's so much meat there. And, and that does make me want to ask you, Stefan, there's, I, I know that you probably, in all, all the years that you've had your career, probably been involved in all kinds of projects. But are there maybe one or two that you can share with us that maybe you're especially passionate about or especially proud of? I, I would say that Xignite is the one that I'm the most proud of because when we started out uh, with Xignite in 1999, there's a relatively new technology called XML that a lot of people know about these days, but back 16 years ago, uh, very few people know about it. And we basically saw the, the vision of how this revolutionized um, the way um, computers communicate uh, these days. Um, so... That's why I named it, I named it X-Ignite. Uh, it stands for XML Ignite. Mm. And basically, the, I'm so proud of it because even 16 years ago, we, we were able to see that this will change um, how people do business. Uh, because of that, you, you now have the ability to log into, any, uh, into many websites via Facebook and via uh, uh, Google. Because what happened is that Facebook provides you the API, uh, the application programming interface that lets you log into one, one place like Facebook and then be able to automatically log into all these other places. And that was due to technology such as uh, XML and, and uh, the newer uh, breed of uh, protocols that they have these days. Mm-hmm. And that you could see that at the time for me, Stefan, is the thing, it was one of the things that I find the most awesome about innovators and entrepreneurs and startup kinds of professionals like you is that 
that ability to see that and to imagine that there's a place for this. People need this. I really applaud that, Stefan. It's really impressive. You know what? I really appreciate that compliment. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, I think of perhaps of 100 ideas I come up with, maybe four or five of them would, would uh, be reasonable. And, and the reason I want to say this is because um, I, I think everybody should, should realize that, um, you know, you cannot be perfect uh, all the time. And actually, if you have a 5% hit, hit rate, you're actually really good. Um, and, and, and this is because we're, we're human. But the, but the key is not to, is not to stop generating ideas. Because if you only have uh, have a five uh, percent hit ratio and you generate two hundred ideas, you have ten good ideas. So it, it's mm-hmm. important to continue that that play mindset and the and the ability to generate ideas. That is such a great piece of information right there, Stefan. The idea that because you're right, I had been kind of thinking, wow, you know, this guy sat around with one of his friends and he had this great idea, and poof, he made this great company and, and people loved it. You're right. I, I, I was not thinking that you might have had several other great ideas that maybe you did try that you didn't work or you chose not to go after. So I appreciate that clarification because, yeah, not every, not every idea is going to be a stellar one. That makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, this, is, uh, this is something that the great Thomas Edison ha- has taught us. Uh, you know, genius is 99% perspiration. So... So, you know, even uh, someone, you know, many decades ago realized that. Uh, and, and today we're, we're living the same ethos. Mm-hmm. Well, I still want to peel back the air, the, the, uh, the well, I guess the onion, just a smidge more here and, and see if we can't learn a bit more about you, what makes me, maybe what, what makes you a little bit unique. And that is that I know that one of the things you're interested in is the arts. So I wonder if you can share with us maybe about some of your interests there. And if memory serves, I think specifically film is one of them. And so I'd like to understand just what it is about the arts and maybe film that is so curious for you, that, you, that you're drawn to. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I, I am definitely passionate about uh, cinema and film um, as well as, as art in general. Um, I had the um, luck of uh, uh, being a big film fan, and I, I and initially I just go to films, uh, go to movies, just to escape, just to have you know some fun. But then I was introduced to this um, film festival in San Diego, and then I realized that wow, I, these film festivals are like Whole Foods uh, market for 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 film. They are so fresh. They 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 really speak to what the filmmakers. Um, understand and feel and want to share. And there's no, there's no um, uh, artificial or sterile interpretation of, of, of the ideas. It, they're so raw and, and so authentic that I became fascinated with the process of how filmmakers um, uh, try to bring their ideas to life uh, with very little budget. Uh, and then I realized that they are very innovative. Um, even though film is a... Um, a is a medium by which you cannot interact directly with the film, such as uh, kind of like a, you know you would with let's say a video game or uh, a computer software. But at the same time, when it, when the film is well crafted, uh, they can engage us and make us very active. They can get us to think and elicit uh, certain reaction from us. 
um, and because of that, I realized, uh, and also through being friends with many filmmakers, I realized that filmmaking involves an incredible amount of innovation, uh, and it's not unlike creating products or company. Uh, a film can take a lot out of a filmmaker, but at the same time, it can be extremely rewarding. And I've always seen the, the parallel between making films, writing a book, um, creating uh, you know, uh, a piece of painting, and creating a company because it's all creative and it, it all requires a, a certain amount of um, exploration, a sense of daring, and, and the acceptance that you might fail. Hmm. I wondered, Stefan, I really did wonder if knowing that about your background and your interest set, if, if there was anything about that combination of technical and creative skills that you bring to your work or that, you know, somehow informs your experience of film. But can you comment on that? I mean, are those two skills something that you seem to bring today to what you do or, or say more about that complementarity? There's something there for me. Yes, I, I definitely think that they're complementary. And, and actually, uh, <laughs> it, it's very interesting to me that we are on the cusp of what I would call the innovation age or the creative age, uh, we're, we, we're almost past the information age. Information is still very mm-hmm. crucial, but the next age, I believe, is the information age. And the reason the, I'm sorry, the next age is the um, innovation age. And the reason I think that this, this, um, this transition is probably the most difficult is because it requires a completely different mindset. It, it requires um, whole brain thinking. Um, in the information age, we can search for anything. We can um, we can look up anything. We we no longer need to buy a uh, an encyclopedia anymore. Right. We can just use Wikipedia. We just Google everything. Um, but with the innovation age, it's not we, we we don't just search. We have to create. We have to imagine something that's not there, and that requires a a different way of thinking. A um, a certain relaxation of the mind, uh, a certain amount of freedom, and a sense of adventure and daring. So I think to, to go from the information age to the innovation age um, would require a lot of um, work and, and skills and attitude. Um, I believe that the, the creative skills and the technical skills are complementary because you need the creative skills to explore, to come up with new things, and you need the technical skills to evaluate the solutions that you come up with to make sure that uh, you pick the right one, the, the most effective one. Oh, my gosh, Stefan. I just had a thought as you were talking about this, and, and that is that my, my general space is the world of education, whether it's um, you know traditional in the classroom or whether it's professional development. And probably you're well aware of this as well, but so many schools are cutting what? Art. They don't want to pay for art. They want to. They feel like they need to spend more time in math and science to keep all those scores up. And many schools are are fighting that. In fact, one of my earlier guests is very much engaged in, with an organization that is insistent on being able to support education in her her community in Abilene, Texas, with arts for students. And I wonder if you can comment on your perspective about this notion of more and more of our schools seem to want to cut our arts programs in relation to this idea of innovation that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, actually, I was on a, a board of a uh, museum, a, a regional museum here, and, you know, I see the, the incredible changes that, that it creates in, in kids, in, in you know, uh, teenagers, when they go through the museum, when they take classes at the museum. Um, what it does is that it allows, art allows you to, 
immerse yourself. Just kind of relax and immerse immerse yourself, and and not have any prejudgment and kind of feel things. Um, the way that we learn math and and, and logic and, and that kind of thing in school, it's very sequential, and and most sequential things machines can do, but the multilinear non-sequential things uh, are what's hard. And, and that requires the ability to just feel things and, and process multiple things at the same time, uh, which we can't do by just focusing on, on one thing at a time. We have to just immerse ourselves in it. It's like speaking a language. Once you know how to speak a language, you don't think about placing the, the verb after the noun. You just speak it. You just feel it. And so the arts allow us to, to just feel what is there and then make sense out of it automatically. Uh, and some, some may, may say that it's automatically, but really there's a process by which our brain process these, processes these uh, pieces of information at the same time that sequentially it would take forever. And mm. the ability to come up with a combination that, that weaves together, that we weave together into a tapestry, um, if you were to do it sequentially, it'll take forever. But if you were to do it in a creative way, uh, it, it becomes beautiful, and most people would wonder how did he or she come up with that in such a short time. Mm-hmm. You know, it strikes me, Stefan, that we do need more people like you who are in the field of innovation to speak on behalf of, of this need for ongoing arts education. I, I feel like with absent that voice, we will soon lose it. What do you think about that? Yes, yes, and I... I, I I find that my way of, of highlighting that is to show how is to show the limit of technical innovation when you do things sequentially, when you do things with just technical skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you if you uh, look at a lot of the uh, newer companies, um, there are several modes of thinking where they would ideate on on uh, solutions and, and, and new products. And the way they do it, a lot of it is, is what is called, you know, uh, fantasy play, where if they remove all constraints, um, what would happen? So as a simple example, what would happen if the city that you live in, you can download, uh, you can download anything instantly. Uh, you're not limited to your, in, limited to your internet speed, but you can download anything instantly. What would that do? Because that would basically, put Redbox out of business, right? Yeah, right. That would, that would uh, um, make Internet access uh, probably very cheap. And that would create a whole new world of, of services that we can't, even, we can't even imagine right now. So mm-hmm. when you remove some of the basic constraints, uh, a lot of things can happen. Well, and on that note, let me go ahead and cue us up for uh, our final break here before we go into our last segment. Uh, what an interesting, enticing way to set us up here. Uh, because after after the break, I wanna I wanna ask you more questions about the product roadmap creation and the branding aspect. And that might be a perfect way to do it. But it is time for a break here. We've been on the air with Stefan Nguyen, who is a lifelong innovator and the co-founder of Next Ignite Inc. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. Stay with us. We'll be back after the break. us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, and we've been on the air with a very fast segment that's just flown by with Stefan Wynn, who is a lifelong innovator and the co-founder of Next Ignite, Inc. Um, he is also the author of a digital business model book titled Dot Wealth, and that will soon be followed with The Innovator's Mindset coming to us in spring of 2016. I have so enjoyed hearing your perspective, Stefan, about the world of innovation, where you think we're going with that. We talked about education before the, before the break here. And, and we were queuing up here about this notion. I know one of the big things you're focused on today is product roadmap creation and branding. And you were giving us the idea before the, the break of what would happen, I think you said, if Internet went away, or I forget how you said that. But I would like to hear you talk to us a little bit about this idea of product roadmap creation and branding. I know that's a big part of the world of innovation and certainly, certainly entrepreneurship. Yes. Uh, thank you, Elise. Uh, I've... Um, I've worked on that for uh, quite a while now, um, um, and actually, my current um, uh, very specific focus is on how data and information can catalyze um, new product creation. Uh, specifically, the fact that if we if we take a look back at a lot of the disruption in various industries, they're usually preceded by um, the availability of information. Uh, I think a lot of us can recall the disruption of the newspaper industry. That was preceded by the availability of ads information. In other words, Craigslist came about and gave us the, all the information that we ever need to buy and sell things. 
and that really killed the newspaper advertising business um, and eventually disrupted the, the, the newspaper um, model. Uh, another uh, another disruption that has occurred already um, is the financial um, uh, the, the uh, financial um, uh, businesses uh, who today uh, and actually part of it is be, is uh, helped by the company that uh, I co-founded in 2000, Exignite, which makes financial data available. So now you have this huge area of innovation called fintech. Uh, it stands for financial technology, where you have a lot of sites and a lot of apps that allow you to manage your portfolio, uh, to manage your budget and your savings and, and all kinds of things. And, uh, and a lot of those products came from the fact that financial data are readily available now. So the two areas that we can see in terms of product roadmap or, or um, innovation that, that's going to happen and disruption that's going to happen um, are probably going to be uh, education technology, uh, what the industry calls for, sh- call, uh, for short um, ed tech. And then the next thing, of course, is health tech with the availability of all the health information that, uh, for example, the, the Apple Watch and the, the smartphones give us. So as you can see, the, the availability of data really catalyzed uh, innovation and create new technologies and, and, and new um, Industry, but at the same time, the question that we we have to ask is, um, how do I know that a certain amount of data is required to create new products, and how do I know when this avalanche of new products are going to come about, and uh, make sure that the data that can support all these new products will be generated and sustained. Well, another thing that I'm, again, going through as I listen to you talk is I'm marveling at, you know, this idea that y- you can see this stuff. This, And I, again, recognize that you mentioned there are various ideas that a person might have, but that you can recognize the opportunity or that you can see that there's a need. You know, I've been in business for myself for, I guess, over a decade now, and, and I, I love the work that I do in trending and development. But I don't see, I don't think of it as being innovative. And I, I'm not able, I, it doesn't come to me the way that you're describing to consider, wow, what might the market need and how can I address that? I, it feels to me like you, it, you're still, it's more natural to you than it, than it is to me. And, and I'm wondering, is that because you just, you are mired in data? You're, you, you're grounded in data? I think I think I am, but at the same time, I also um, I, I also am familiar enough with data to realize its limitations. Um, I think um, I, I don't know if you heard of the paradox of choice, uh, where the more choices we have, it actually creates more stress for us. So having too much data can create stress for us, and I think this goes back to our original um, discussion point that the, our creative side need to master the data. In other words, we need to not, not just follow a piece of data after a piece of data, but we need to look at all the data and see what it means to us. Uh, are we creating a product that everyone needs, or are we just uh, creating something that, and pour resources into something that no one really cares about? I mean, there's so many products out there that no one needs, and, and eventually those startups, uh, they they go bankrupt or they close, uh, they go out of business. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and certainly I've met a few of those along the way. I mean, one of one of uh, one piece of my history is that I spent um, I don't know I guess five years in Seattle, Washington in the late 1990s. <laughs> there were many startups that began that are nobody's probably even heard of because they came and went so quickly. So I do yeah. recognize the idea of you know if, if people create something that others don't really need. But to me, the magic is somehow when somebody says, "Wouldn't it be great if," and they go off and they create that if. And people do need it and use it. Yes, and I think I think we all have to start that. We ha- we have to start that the journey with that first step, uh, and not worry about whether it's going to end up being a multi billion dollar company or not. And I think in order to to do that, we have to have this mindset that it's just fun to do that. It's, it, we just enjoy doing it. Whether enjoy doing it, whether uh, it's going to be making us a ton of money or not, um, you know, because a lot of us. Why do a lot of us still play tennis, even though we're not? We know we're not going to be professional. Or, or uh, why do we play the guitar, the, or the piano? Because we just we just enjoy doing it. And I think once innovation becomes something that we just enjoy doing, we will naturally more be more innovative. And I think all of us have it have it in 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 our mind and heart to to innovate. Mm. Well, along those lines, so one of the things that you probably know about my show is that I really am I'm trying to do two things on this show. One, I'm trying to bring on people like yourself who are meaningfully connected to their work so that we can learn about that connection and we can see how did he pull that off? How did he find work that really fuels who he is and allows him to contribute in a meaningful way? And you certainly have shared with that that with us today. And the other thing that you've done that I really appreciate is that you've really helped me better understand the world of innovation and even startups. And that's been extremely useful. One of the things I'd like to also do is is be is to provide a platform for people that are maybe considering various kinds of work and they can hear the guest and see what it is this person does, how they get into what they like. And so if you could next speak to you know, what kind of perspective might you want to share with somebody who's maybe considering entering the innovation space? I mean, what would you like to share with them? Or maybe who, those are already there. But let's start first with the people that maybe are considering, I think I want to be there. Maybe what would you say to them? What, what kind of advice or perspective could you lend? I think that is a great, uh, it's a great area to, to enter if you're considering entering it. It's not a, um, a well-defined uh, uh, job or, or, or title or, or specific area yet, but you can see there are um, various job postings out there for director of innovation, for uh, manager of innovation, that type of thing, uh, at various companies, including companies like Netflix and, and Google and uh, um, some of the newer uh, startups as well. Uh, but I really believe that that the job of innovation is actually going to be much more um, uh, much much more applicable in the future, uh, much more numerous uh, because as I said, we're entering the innovation age, and if you're considering it, entering it, um, it's one of those basic skills that I think we're going to have to have. It's just like reading and math. Um, I would say to start practicing. Uh, the the mindset of of uh, of innovation of of inventing of being creative, you know, from the little things like taking a different route to work or you know going to a startup event like Startup Weekend and try to create a tech company for, within a, a weekend and, and see and see the power of innovation or, or the power of creativity that you possess and see what kind of things that you can learn from other people as well. 
That's gorgeous. And again, I wouldn't have thought that. Just simple things about taking a different route that makes complete sense. Um, now, what about for those people? And the, well, let me let me back up and also acknowledge too, just the idea of doing that startup weekend thing. That would be amazing. But there are various kinds of programs I've seen through the school system that also encourage those kinds of mini creation moments, which make a lot of sense for someone considering this. But what about those people that are already in the innovation space? Maybe what would you offer to them? What might you say to them? I would hope that they, they've already realized that um, being creative and being innovative uh, rests a lot on being playful. And so I would recommend that we, we never lose our sense of play, uh, our sense of exploration and discovery, and because that's the basis of, of creativity and innovation. Um, the, the second thing that I would, would recommend is to not underestimate the power of collaboration. Mm. Because I, I believe that, um, I always say that collaboration is an act of intelligence. Because in collaboration, we realize that we don't know all the answers. And we need the answers from other people. And it's an act of intelligence because then you become more intelligent. It's just not, not just your knowledge, but it's something beyond your knowledge. It's, it's your intelligence, your insight. And only um, collaboration can provide you that. And it's once we realize that and we can practice that, it just completely enlarge our, uh, enlarges our world and make our ability that much more because now we can work in groups and accomplish much more. Uh, so I would say that, for, for, again, for those who are already practicing it, practicing it uh, to, number one, focus on play and focus on collaboration. Okay. What I, I like about that also, Stefan, is I do teach various um, psychology classes and business call, business classes, and one of the things we're always talking about is you got to learn how to work with people. <laughs> a lot of times students say, but I just want to go do my own work. I don't want to work in teams. And, of course, I'm always saying, and, of course, so is the school, um, but you got to learn how to work well with other people. That is where you will find so much of your success, and you will be undone if you can't. And so I think that's incredibly sage advice. Um, in our final moment here, if you could here, we're just about ready to wrap up the show already. If I could just ask you, you've given us two wonderful things there, but any other final pearls of wisdom, anything else you want to share with our listeners today before we, we go our separate ways? Um, I'm not really sure if it's... Uh uh, if there are pros of wisdom, but I, I believe that we we are um, very lucky. We're on the cusp of, a, of the innovation age, and it's the age that that you know we can design, invent, and innovate anything that we need or that we aspire to. So it's very exciting. It, it's not about just searching for a solution anymore. It's about creating a solution that uh, and fulfilling visions that we have. Um, wow. Yeah. Sorry, Stefan. I just want to stop you there just because we're out of, we're out of time. But I, I want to thank you so much for that beautiful finish. What a wonderful way to finish. And I want to thank you for calling in from Los Angeles today and taking a precious, precious hour away from your day for us. So thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Elise. Um, just a couple things in closing here. Um, love this conversation. Just what I was hoping for, Stefan. I learned way more than I imagined, so thank you for that. If you want to learn more about Stefan or connect with him, please do visit his website. You can go to www.nextignite.com. 
and you can catch them that way there. Um, Next week, for those of you that are coming to join us, and I hope you will, because our conversation will be with three owners of a tourism agency in the country of Croatia, where I was just on vacation. They're going to describe their passion for their country, how they got into the tourism business, and share a few helpful tips about what it takes to actually start a tourism business successfully. So remember, as I always like to say, work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.